This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is still Monday, April 3rd, 2023. In part one of today's episode, we covered our daily assessment of the war, reflections on events from this time last year and current regional updates. Let's go ahead and get started with part two. Let's talk about the Russian military and mobilization after a quick errors and omissions. A sharp-eyed reader pointed out that the Russian 1A19 MT-1200 mm anti-tank gun that the Russian Federation Armed Forces appear to be sending to Ukraine does not in fact use the same ammunition as the T-54 T-55 medium-duty tank, or MDT, equipped with a D-10 100mm tank gun. The T-12 anti-tank gun is smoothbore, while the D-10 is rifled. And despite having the same caliber of 100mm, ammunition for smoothbore and rifled barrels are not interchangeable. We deeply appreciate our readers and listeners defending the truth. We had expressed skepticism that the MT-12 anti-tank guns caught on camera were destined for Ukraine because, in the information space, any piece of Russian hardware sitting on a railroad car is claimed to be headed for Ukraine. Another video shows a much larger load of MT-12 guns being moved by rail in Russia. A picture circulating on social media channels shows a Russian MT-12 being towed, reportedly in Yevpatoria. Although the photo is authentic, it's likely old, because neither the anti-tank gun nor the truck have Russian invasion markings. So, in our assessment, the photo is misattributed. With spring conscription ongoing in Russia, a spokesperson of the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Russia, Rear Admiral Vladimir Tsimlyansky, repeated Kremlin claims that no new second wave of mobilization is planned. As we've repeatedly noted, there is no actual need to implement a second wave of mobilization because the State Duma never rescinded the legal decree of September 21st. The Russian Federation has engaged in stealth mobilization through penal colony recruitment, spot mobilization in districts allegedly due to clerical errors or a failure to meet fall 2022 goals, and forced mobilization in Chechnya and the occupied territories of Luhansk, Donetsk, and Crimea. Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu, during a staged statement among senior military leaders, declared the, quote, amount of deliveries of the most popular ammunition has been determined and the necessary measures are being taken to increase them, end quote. Shoigu claimed that production had been increased, quote, many times, enabling the Kremlin to, quote, fill the tasks set by President Putin. Russian mill bloggers pounced, with those who repeat Kremlin talking points cheering the announcement, speculating that there would be a return to the same number of shells available in the spring of 2022. 
Others derided the claim, like our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal Kremlin pariah and failed Mobik Igor Strelkov-Girkin, who responded, quote, I love stupid officialdom. The fools themselves do not understand what they say and write. It seems to be great, right? Even if they increased it by only two times, is it bad? The consumption of precision-guided munitions compared to peacetime has increased not by times, but by orders of magnitude but I understand this and the electorate will swallow it. Many deep people are already asking a simple question. If everything is so good and great with us, end quote. Girkin wasn't done announcing the formation of the, quote, Club of Angry Patriots, which includes Pavlo Hubaryev, a Donetsk People's Republic collaborator, and propagandist Maxim Kalashnikov, among others. In a video posted on YouTube, though not for long, Imo Gherkin said, quote, Unfortunately, the situation on the contact line, which the media glosses over in every possible way, has an extremely negative impact on the situation throughout the country. I'm not afraid to say that we are heading toward military defeat. We entered a long, protracted war for which our economy was completely unprepared. Our army and political system were not ready for it either. End quote. President Putin signed a decree outlining the Russian Federation's updated foreign policy approach. The main provisions outlined on the Kremlin website include 1. Russia is, quote, an original state civilization, a vast Eurasian and Euro-Pacific power, end quote, that has rallied the so-called Russian world. 2. Russia will act, quote, as one of the sovereign centers of world development, and will fulfill a unique historical mission to maintain the global balance of power and build a multipolar international system. End quote. Three, the national interests of Russia include protection from destructive foreign influence, strengthening of traditional Russian spiritual and moral values, preservation of the people of Russia, and development of a safe information space. Four, the main task of Russia will be the formation of a just world order ensuring the peaceful coexistence of states and peoples, counteracting, quote, anti-Russian activities of foreign states, strengthening the position of the Russian language in the world, promoting the preservation of, quote, historical truth abroad, and the memory of Russia's role in world history. Five, the main factor complicating the normalization of Russia's relations with the West is the strategic course of the United States and, quote, their satellites. In response to the unfriendly actions of the West, Russia will defend its right to existence and free development by all available means. 6. The new foreign policy states that Russia does not consider itself an enemy of the West, does not isolate itself from the world, and does not have hostile intentions. How these goals align with China's and, to a lesser extent, India's political ambitions on the Asian continent is yet to be seen. Some assessment here. The colonial era of the West, including France, Spain, Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, Portugal, and the United States post-independence, is well documented. The negative consequences of this era in the Caribbean, Latin America, South America, Africa, and among indigenous peoples continue to this day. However, the Russian Federation and its proxies claim that the country has never had colonial aspirations or acted as an invader bent on conquest. This is not only untrue, 
it is absolutely preposterous. The impacts of Tsarist expansionism of the 1700s to the early 1900s have hobbled numerous Central Asian nations with equal destruction of culture, history, and population. From the Baltic seaports in Estonia to the forests and fields of Ukraine, to the Darvaza gas crater in Turkmenistan, to the shattered streets of Syria, the destruction brought by Russian Mir stretches across three continents. Russia's foreign policy isn't interested in preserving so-called historical truth abroad. Even Russia's status as a liberator in World War II is only a half-truth. The Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact of August 1939 divided Europe between Hitler and Stalin. Less than 24 hours after securing a non-aggression pact with Japan on September 17, 1939, Soviet forces invaded Poland in concert with Nazi forces. Later that same year, Soviet troops invaded Finland and, in 1940, destabilized and invaded Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. While Stalin was expanding the Soviet Union's borders, Soviet industry supplied Nazi Germany with oil, refined fuels, coal, iron, steel, chromium, lumber, and other raw materials, enabling Nazi forces to seize Western Europe. Those raw materials were processed and extracted by millions of people in slave labor camps in the East, including Poles, Latvians, Estonians, Lithuanians, and Finns. Stalin was slow to respond to reports from his own intelligence agencies and Western allies that Germany was preparing an invasion because he didn't believe that Hitler would break their agreement, at least not before England was occupied. These policies didn't end with the death of Stalin or the end of the Soviet Union. The Russian Federation wasn't even a year old when it launched a war against Chechnya. Western colonial activity in Africa has been replaced by Russian influence, with PMC Wagner providing the military firepower to support Russian financial interests, while some of the most resource-rich nations on the planet continue to be plundered. This isn't Russophobia. It's not revisionist history. This is reality. A video showed a Russian D-20 artillery piece that had suffered a catastrophic failure from overuse, with the breech blown out and the barrel banana-peeled. Russian field commanders have continued to complain about artillery pieces wearing out and an acute lack of replacement barrels. It is worth noting that Ukrainian officials have similar complaints, specifically for their Soviet-era artillery pieces. Russian military officer Maxim Fomin, better known as the mill blogger Vladlin Tatarsky, was killed by a targeted bomb blast in St. Petersburg, Russia, while giving a talk at Street Food Bar No. 1, formerly owned by PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin. Street Food Bar No. 1 is reportedly a favorite location for PMC Wagner mercenaries, Russian mill bloggers, and their supporters. Cyberfront Z, a group calling itself Russia's Information Troops, had booked the cafe for Fomin's talk. While he was presenting, a woman presented him with a statuette, which reportedly contained between two and 500 grams of TNT, or the explosive equivalent, and detonated five minutes later. Fomin was killed instantly, and another 32 were wounded, according to Russian state media, 19 of whom required hospitalization, and 10 were in critical condition. The force of the blast blew the facade and windows, including their frames, out of the building. 
We do link to some videos in our full situation report on Patreon. Please be aware that the videos are graphic and people may find them disturbing. Self-declared acting leader of the DNR, Denis Pushilin, condemned the attack and blamed Ukraine. PMC Wagner had Prigozhin said it was too premature to blame Kyiv and implied that the apparent assassination was due to anti-government factions within Russia. The Kremlin condemned the attack and accused the West of not defending journalists' rights due to their silence. As previously noted, Fomin was an intelligence officer in the Russian military engaged in combat since February 2022 and a mill blogger on the side. While Fomin has 560,000 followers on Telegram and held influence in the information space, he's created a long list of potential enemies since 2011, including Moscow, Kyiv, Donetsk, and Luhansk. He was invited to the Kremlin when President Putin signed illegal annexation documents for Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporizhia, and Kherson. Fomin famously said in a video, with President Putin within earshot in the background, Quote, we will defeat everyone, we will kill everyone, we will rob everyone as necessary, just as we like it. End quote. Fomin, who we have quoted in our situation reports, has fought with the DNR First Army Corps since 2014 and started writing in 2015. He's been critical of the Kremlin in some of his writings and frequently amplified talking points from PMC Wagner and its leader. By his own admission, in 2011, Fomin was arrested and convicted on robbery charges. During Russia's proxy war, which started in 2014, militants released him and he joined the army, where he served until 2016. In February 2022, he rejoined as an intelligence officer and one of the leaders of Russia's drone program. Russian social media accounts falsely claimed a 40-year-old Ukrainian woman from western Ukraine was wanted for the attack. The Russian Interfax News Agency reported that Daria Trepova of St. Petersburg, Russia, and her husband, Dmitry Rylov, a member of the Russian Libertarian Party, were wanted and refuted earlier claims that the pair had been arrested. Fomin's seventh-to-last telegram post, less than 24 hours before his death, was of two PMC Wagner mercenaries defiling the body of a Georgian volunteer who had been fighting for Ukraine. Some assessment. Fomin's list of allies and enemies are equally long. There's not enough information to determine who is responsible, and it's unlikely that any accused party will be honest and transparent. The Russian Deputy Minister of Industry and Trade of the Russian Federation, Ekaterina Priyzheva, speaking at a meeting of the Council on Health, told the group that the average age of Russian soldiers fully disabled due to the so-called special military operation is 27. She expressed concern about long-term economic output and the social costs of caring for the growing number of disabled men. Everything is going to plan. In our War Crimes and Human Rights segment, we discuss events that might be upsetting to hear about. There is no graphic detail in today's report, but please feel free to skip ahead to the next segment. Timestamps are in the description. The previously mentioned video of a Georgian volunteer's body being defiled, or tortured, was being shared on Russian social media channels. 
In the video, a man who is either dead or unconscious has been strapped to a chair while one mercenary plays the violin badly, stopping at times to whack and poke the POW with the bow. The video is not safe for work, and some may find it disturbing, but we do link to it in the full situation report. In an open letter, the American newspaper, The Wall Street Journal, called for the Biden administration to expel the Russian ambassador and all Russian journalists working in the U.S. due to the arrest of their reporter, Evan Gershkovich, writing, quote, Russia's arrest of Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich escalates the Kremlin's habit of taking Americans hostage, and it's more evidence that Russia is divorcing itself from the community of civilized nations. President Vladimir Putin is now responsible for Mr. Gershkovich's health and safety, and the Biden administration has an obligation to press for his release. Thuggish leaders keep doing thuggish things if they think they will pay no price. The Biden administration will have to consider diplomatic and political escalation. Expelling Russia's ambassador to the U.S., as well as all Russian journalists working here, would be the minimum to expect. The U.S. government's first duty is to protect its citizens, and too many governments now believe they can arrest and imprison Americans with impunity. End quote. The standoff between Ukrainian officials and the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of Moscow Patriarchate, or UOCMP, at the Kiev Pechersk Lavra Monastery continued. Church leaders aligned with Moscow have fought the eviction order, while Ukrainian officials note the government owns the holy site founded in the 11th century. On Friday, Mariana Tomin, director of the Cultural Heritage Department of the Ministry of Culture, said that the commission would appeal to the police and file a lawsuit. She told reporters, quote, There are no legal grounds for the monastery to be on the territory of the reserve. End quote. Outside the monastery, peaceful protests continued. On Saturday, the Shevchenkivsky District Court in Kiev placed the former abbot of the UOCMP, Petro Lebid, also known as Metropolitan Pavlo, under house arrest until May 30th, fitting the religious figure with an ankle monitor. He is being held on suspicion of inciting sectarian hatred and condoning Russia's armed aggression against Ukraine. Metropolitan Pavlo said the accusations were, quote, political, and that he had, quote, always been against aggression. I am now in Ukraine. This is my land, end quote. Pavlo asked the court to continue to stay at the monastery, claiming he had no other place to go. Prosecutors noted that his legal residence address is different from the holy site, and he should live there, because the state owns the Lavra as a cultural site. Olena Sokolova, head of the Children's Service of Slovyansk City Military Administration, said that 34 orphaned children staying with 23 different families would be forcibly removed due to the continued refusals from their current guardians to honor the August 2, 2022 mandatory evacuation order. Sokolova said that Ukrainian officials have worked with the guardians of the children for months, notifying them in December they would have a month or two to find alternative living arrangements and offered relocation assistance. On March 27th, one of the orphaned children was injured by a Russian attack on the city, forcing Ukrainian officials to take, quote, measures in a stricter form. Sokolova stressed she did not want to remove the children by legal force and would prefer that they stay with grandparents, aunts, and uncles. 
She added that if family members continue to refuse to relocate to safer areas, officials will be compelled to suspend their guardianship. In geopolitical news, on March 29th, and with little fanfare or coverage, the Federal Council of Switzerland voted to adopt all 10 sanction packages enacted by the European Union, a surprising decision from the historically neutral country. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky thanked Swiss officials, saying, quote, Only in unity can we preserve peace as the basis of international relations, and I thank Switzerland for the relevant decisions. End quote. Permanent representatives of all EU member states visited Ukraine on March 30th. The visit was organized on the symbolic 400th day since the full-scale invasion. This is the first time all 27 EU member states have visited Ukraine since Russia expanded its war last year. Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez is in China on a state visit and reportedly plans to address the Russia-Ukraine war with Chinese President Xi Jinping to take a more European side. Sánchez reportedly said that he believes Xi is a key figure in negotiating a peace settlement between Ukraine and Russia, but that any plan needs to consider Ukraine's needs. With all hurdles eliminated, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said that, quote, Finland will formally join our alliance in the coming days, end quote, and that their membership, quote, will make Finland safer while making NATO stronger, end quote. Finnish Prime Minister Sanna Marin conceded defeat in parliamentary elections, with the pro-business right-wing National Coalition Party, or NCP, winning 48 of 200 seats. The nationalist Finn Party won 46 seats, and Marin's Social Democratic Party earned 43 seats. The NCP ran on a platform of fiscal conservatism and concerns that Finland's public debt has grown to 70% of GDP. No party holds a majority in parliament, so coalition building has begun. Marin expressed a willingness to work with the NCP, but refused to form a political coalition with the Finn party. In economic news, American grain giants Cargill and Viterra officially left the Russian market on March 29th. One reason for the withdrawal was the fall in grain prices, which are currently at January 2021 levels. Russia's theft of grain from Ukraine boosted their market in the short term in 2022. With supplies more stabilized and Ukrainian and European silos nearly full, Russian grain sales are near or at a loss. The International Monetary Fund, or IMF, Executive Board approved a four-year, $15.6 billion financing package for Ukraine to help the country meet urgent funding needs amid the ongoing war. The loan is the first major package approved by the IMF for a country involved in an active conflict. The agreement is expected to help increase other financing packages from international donors and partners. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.